morning. Happy New Year. What a joy to see you in the house of the Lord today. We sing to the God who makes all things new today. All hail the power of Jesus' name. We'll just stand together and let's sing this great hymn of our faith today. All hail the power of Jesus' name.
sing on this new Sunday here in the new year. Amen. Please be seated. Kimberly, come welcome us. Oh, what a great day it is to be in the house of the Lord and just to see that interaction between friends. It's great to be amongst friends this morning as we're here to worship God. We are so glad that we had the opportunity this week to celebrate the birth of Jesus with family and to be amongst our loved ones and to celebrate what it's all about, why we are here to worship this morning and we look forward to a new year of serving him and worshiping Christ the King. Bow with me as we pray this morning. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for this place of worship. Most of all, Lord, I thank you for the people that inhabit this place and may we praise you with our song and our word this morning, Lord God. God, I pray that you be with those that aren't able to be here with us this morning, God. Maybe they're traveling. Keep them safe as they travel. But Lord, be with us this morning. May we listen to your word. May we be obedient to your word. And go into our community and our world to share the love of Christ this week. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Our God is good. God, you're so good. We sing that to him this morning. Amazing love that welcomes me. The kindness of mercy That bought with blood Wholeheartedly My soul undeserving God, you're so Thanks to 
And should this life bring suffering, Lord, I will remember. But what Calvary has fought for me, both now and forever.
magnify you. Your name will be exalted, exalted. Praise the Lord today. Amen. Please be seated. Amen. In the Lord good. I hope everyone had a wonderful Christmas holiday. And uh, many of our congregation are still out on holiday today, as is always expected on this Sunday of the year. But to those of you who are here today, thank you for being here. We're looking forward to celebrating the Lord this morning in worship. And we want to take some time to go to the Lord in prayer as we prepare for this new year. And so if you would join me, those of you on the ground floor, if you can, uh, would you join me in kneeling as we pray? Those of you in the balcony can just be where you are or go to an aisle and pray. But we want to seek the Lord this morning at the beginning of a new year. Lord, we come before you this morning and we are so grateful for the opportunity to be able to bow before you and to be able to seek your face. And Lord, we could bless you uh, all the way into the new year and beyond for the things that you've done over this past year. Lord, even in times of struggle, you're there with us. And you promise to never leave us nor forsake us. And so we thank you for being there in the difficult times and also in the good times. We thank you, Lord, for the blessings that you've brought. The fact that we're able to have homes and to have places to uh, work. And we're able to have the provision we need to meet our daily needs and we thank you Lord because we know that all of that comes from you we thank you Lord for the things you've done in our church over this last year God been able to see you do some wonderful new ministries uh, the biggest thing we got to see this year was moving back into this room and the completion of our renovation projects and Lord we're grateful that you brought us to this point in our church's life Lord as we look ahead to the new year we know that you have great things in store and so we center our attention on you and we seek your face and we ask God that you would glorify yourself through us in each individual, in our church family, in each family represented in our church family as well as our church as a whole. The new year holds many new opportunities for us and we look forward, God, to what you have in store for us and we will continue to bless you. You give us reason every day. And we bless you with a thousand upon thousand reasons today. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul, worship his Oh, 
May we pray together. <clears throat> Dear Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be here, to be in your house, and to worship you. We are always amazed by your love, grace, mercy, and the gift of your Son. Help us as we hear the message today to be energized on this last Sunday of 2018 to go into 2019 with a fever for your word and to reach those who don't, do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We ask you use these offerings today for your glory. Help our offering be reflective of our love for you. Bless us now as we go into this new year, helping us always to be mindful that we are your handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which you ordained for us to do. Forgive us where we have failed you. Bless us and help us to do your will. In Christ's name, amen. tide and calm the angry sea. He alone decides who writes a symphony. He lights every star that makes our darkness bright. He keeps watch all through each long and lonely night. He still finds the time to hear a child's first prayer. Saint or sinner call and always find him there. Though it makes him sad to see the way we live, he'll always say, I forgive. He can grant a wish and make a dream come true. He can paint the clouds and turn the gray to blue. He alone knows where to find the rainbow's end. He alone can see what lies beyond the a tree and turn the leaves to gold. 
He knows every lie that you and I have told. Though it makes him sad to see the way we live, he'll always say, I forgive. I forgive. It's a wonderful thing to be able to have grandkids come and share with us, isn't it? That's uh, Brandon Payne. He's Tom and Judy Kent's grandson, and his parents are missionaries uh, in China. And so we've been praying for them, continue to do so. And thank you all for sharing the gift of your family with us. And Grandma says, yes, that was good. (laughs) Wonderful blessing. Think about the word new. New. The smell of new crayons when you're a kid, or the smell of a new car when you're an adult. (laughs) The feel of a new blanket on your arms, or since I got some for Christmas, the feeling of new socks on your feet. They're just better, aren't they? New, the joy of a new toy. The kid versions or the adult versions. There is power in new. For most of us who have children at home, there are two seasons that are new each year. And that is the start of the school year and then the start of the new calendar year. And and frankly, those of us in this stage of life need those two points of restart and refresh and renew each year. We need that opportunity to stop and to evaluate, to check goals, to uh, delete some stuff from our lives, to make some adjustments, to try to focus ourselves anew. And for me, these seasons are like changing the batteries uh, for life. You know, maybe, maybe the battery isn't totally worn out, But it's not near as great as when you put some brand new batteries in and something takes off. So as you pause and reevaluate on this next to last day of 2018, I want to allow, allow me to direct your attention to a new that is more powerful than any of the news that I mentioned to you. You know, new crayons break, new toys get set aside, New cars get scratched. But there is one new that is more powerful than any of those, and that's the new that God brings into our lives. For some reason, though, we often associate God with old. Maybe it's because religious traditions, uh, 200-year-old cathedrals, ancient ruins and artifacts from the Holy Land are all old, And we build today, yes, on the foundations that were laid long ago. And all of that is old and all of that is good. But while God has been around since before time began, he still is a God of the new. Uh, He looks to the future and what is to come. He he doesn't get stuck in the past. He, He doesn't keep looking backwards. He glances back, but then he sets his gaze forward. God likes new. 
In addition to the fact that God created sunrises, that he created new moons, that he created spring, the Bible teaches us that God likes new. One of my favorite passages about this is from Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah 43 verses 18 to 19. And before we read that particular passage, let's situate our Isaiah in the story of the Bible in the Old Testament. He is uh, represented by the yellow line on that timeline there. And Isaiah lived during some tumultuous Days. In fact, he saw the destruction of the nation of Israel and Judah, with the exception of the final destruction of Jerusalem itself. When Isaiah was just a young man, Assyria began invading the northern kingdom of Israel, and he eventually took that entire, uh, he saw that entire nation destroyed until Israel was no more and his people were taken away. And then he watched as Assyria continued to push in to the nation of Judah, destroyed 46 walled cities, carried away 200,000 captives, and finally, when Isaiah was an old man, Assyria pressed in on Jerusalem and they were stopped at the walls of Jerusalem by an angel of God. And so Isaiah's whole life was spent under the shadow of that threatening Assyrian power and he witnessed the ruin of the entire nation except the one city of Jerusalem. Now, even though Isaiah had watched destruction occur for his whole life, God revealed to him that the people of God would not be exiled forever. God helped Isaiah look to a time in the future when he would do a new thing. Namely, bring his people back from exile and to the promised land. Just before our focal passage of verses 18 and 19, God reminds his people about some of the things he'd done in the past, the kind of deliverances he had done. If you look at verses 16 and 17, this is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Obviously, God is reminding the people of what he had done centuries before in the days of Moses when he led the people out of Egypt and he parted the Red Sea and then he trapped Pharaoh and his army in that sea afterwards. God says, this is who I am, but then look what he says in verse 18. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See? I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. You know what I did in the past, but forget how I did things then. I am going to do a new thing. I'll deliver you, but it's going to be in a different way than I ever have before. Today, we know that God did indeed bring his people back. Um, a little over 150 years after Isaiah prophesied that it would happen, well, it did. And God did it in a new way. He didn't do it by parting the sea and destroying a pagan king and his army in that sea. 
Of all things, God had the pagan king issue the decree that would send the people home and pagan kings bankrolled most of the restoration and return. God was doing a new thing in a new way. Through Isaiah, God says, look, I've done incredible things in the past, but I am still working in new ways today. Have you ever gotten stuck in the past? Maybe you can't stop thinking about a failure or a disappointment or a missed opportunity. And it could have been decades ago, but it's still there and it pops up in your memory from time to time. And maybe you wish you could have a a do-over or a second chance. Well, to that, God says, forget the things of the past. Don't dwell on the past. Look at what I'm doing now. Or perhaps you remember a time when things were just really going great. And it was a joyous time and you think, man, those were the days. I wish I could go back then and live then. God says, forget the former things. Forget the past. I am doing a new thing. Glance back and be reminded that God worked then, yes. But then set your gaze on the future to see what God wants to do today. Did you notice verse 19 where God says, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Don't you perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. God tells you to lift up your head and you'll see some streams in the wasteland. Notice, though, that much of where you are may still look like desert never really thought about that before on this passage you're standing in the midst of the desert God says I'm going to do a new thing you're like God everything's kind of kind of barren around here and he says look I'm doing a new thing you'll see a stream coming in the wasteland much of what's around you may still be desert but God is doing a new thing that stream is a sign of hope wherever that stream is in the desert is where God is working and if you follow it you'll follow it all the way to what God's doing God is a God of hope it's a no-so hope not a hope-so hope we can stand in the truth of God when you find that stream follow it that's the new thing of God and God likes new because there's power in new and over and over again in scripture and over and over again in our lives God brings new these streams pop up in the desert and they flow to places of blessing and so let's take a moment this morning and remind ourselves of some of the ways that God brings these streams in the wilderness the first thing that I thought about is God restores the weary God restores the weary. Do you ever just get tired? Just get tired. In general, your life may be going fine, but you're just tired. You're tired of the routine. You're you're tired of so much to do. Maybe you're even so tired that you're resenting your schedule. You may be even resenting things you love, like your job or your house, or dare we even say our family. A lot of you may be tired of them right now. There's nothing wrong with any of that. There's nothing wrong with any of it. Your job's good. Your family's good. Your home's good. Everything, everything's good. You're just, you're just tired. And how many of you know from experience that you can get weary in doing good? 
And you probably also know that God says, don't do that. Galatians 6, 19 says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. But when you're slapped, worn out, how in the world do you not give up? You lean upon God for restoration. And the first step for getting that restoration from God is simply to just pause. We get so busy sometimes that we have to pause and rest. God created sleep for a reason. God created the Sabbath for a reason. God punctuated the Jewish calendar with holidays of celebration and worship for a reason. We need time to rest. We need time to recharge our spiritual and physical and emotional batteries. It's hard to hear a message of restoration from God when you're living at a frantic pace. God speaks in a still, small voice. And it's hard to hear that voice over the noise. Also, to get that restoration from God, not only do you need to pause, but you need to listen to his word. Do you believe that there's power in the word of God? And when that word is poured into us and over us, it does something within us. Just consider some of these passages. I, I listed them out so you can look at them later. But Psalm 62.1, my soul finds rest in God alone. I need rest. The only place I can really find it is in God. Isaiah 40 verse 29, he gives strength to the weary. He increases the power of the weak. Matthew eleven twenty eight and 30, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Colossians 1, 29, listen to this. To this end I labor, Paul says, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. Philemon 1.20, refresh my heart in Christ. And Hebrews 12.3, consider him who endured such opposition from sinful man so that you do not grow weary or lose heart. When you are weary and you pause to allow God's word to pour into you, you will find rest for your soul. St. Augustine was correct when he said... You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Are you weary? Do you need restoration today? God can give it. He loves the power of new. But not only does God restore the power of the weary, God renames the purposed. You've probably noticed that numerous times in the Bible that God renames people. Abraham, Abram became Abraham. Jacob, Israel, and so forth. And names carried a lot of significance in ancient times. Throughout the Bible, people are introduced to us by name and by the meaning of their name. And that's important. People name their children as directed by God, such as Mary and Joseph named Jesus, Jesus, because God told them to. Uh, other people named their children because of what was going around them or, or what they were experiencing. For instance, Sarah named Isaac, Isaac, because... She laughed that she was having this baby at such an old age. Or years later, upon his and his son's tragic deaths, Eli's daughter-in-law names her child Ichabod, saying, 
the glory has departed from Israel. Can you imagine growing up with that name? I mean, Ichabod sounds bad enough, but then there's old glory departed going by. That's worse than being a boy named Sue. But what seems to be more significant in Scripture is when people are renamed. And when God gave someone a new name, it was always a sign of God's new work in them, a renewed purpose, a, a renewed direction in their life. God changed Abram's name to Abraham. Abram means exalted father. Abraham means the father of many. The changed name signifies God's promise to make uh, new things take place. For instance, God changed the names of Hosea's children from no mercy and not my people to my loved one and my people to symbolize that he loved Israel and he had a plan for them. Simon became Peter. Saul became Paul, receiving new identities in Christ as God called them to new purposes and new directions in what they would do. And all of this reminds us that when God touches your life, he changes your life. While we may not actually receive new names when we become believers, we certainly receive new identities. Who we were is no more. We are a new Creation, we're crucified with him, and no longer I, but Christ lives within me, as Paul says. As we continue to walk with Christ, God gives us purpose and direction. His calling for our life puts us on track for effectiveness and fulfillment. And as long as we walk with the call of God in our lives, we will see God do things within us. But if we start to walk against the call God has on our lives, we will be miserable and ineffective. Maybe you need a sense of purpose today. Going into a new year, well, that begins with a new identity in Christ. First through salvation, second through following God's purpose for you. What new name does God want to write over you today? If you're already a believer, you have been given a new name, a new identity. Are you living according to that? Are you allowing God to move in you as he so wants to. God renames the purpose. He loves the power of new. God also resurrects the dead. God makes dead things living. Literally. Every time a person is raised from the dead in the Bible, it is an astounding miracle showing that God, who is himself the source of life, has the ability to live, give life to whom he will. We think about resurrections, we rarely think of the raising of Lazarus or Jesus' own resurrection. But it happened in the Old Testament and in other places in the New Testament as well. In 1 Kings 17, God used Elijah the prophet to raise the widow Zarephath's son from the dead. In 2 Kings 4, God uses Elisha to raise the Shunammite woman's son from the dead. And then in 2 Kings 13, Elijah's connected with another person who is resurrected from the dead after Elisha has died. Elisha's been buried, put in a tomb. His bones are there. This guy is killed. He's thrown into Elisha's grave, and when he hits the bones, he bounces up alive again. It's amazing. In the New Testament, Jesus raises the life to life the widow of Nain's son, Jairus' daughter, and Lazarus. In Acts, God uses the apostle Paul to raise to life Tabitha, a lady also known as Dorcas. 
Then God used the Apostle Paul to raise Eutychus to life. And that's probably one of the most entertaining stories in the New Testament. You remember that story where uh, Paul is up on a second floor preaching and Eutychus is sitting in the window and either Paul went a little long with his sermon or was a little boring or Eutychus had stayed out too late the night before and he falls asleep and he falls out the window to his death. Paul stops his sermon, says, hang on a second, folks, runs downstairs, falls on the guy, prays for him, and he comes back to life. And I'm sure Eutychus never fell asleep in church again. (laughs) Now, all these resurrections are there to remind us that God has power over death. He demonstrates that to us most completely when he raised Jesus from the grave. And still today, God raises people from death. The dead. Now, most of the resurrections we see today, however, are spiritual in nature. They are resurrections out of the death of sin or out of the death of depression or out of the death of defeat. And thankfully, no matter what kind of death that we face in life, Scripture tells us that we have the same power dwelling in us. Romans 8.11 says, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you he who raised christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you and it's easy to get discouraged it's easy to be defeated it's easy to drift into that feeling of death but if you are a believer in christ you have the spirit of god living in you and that is a spirit of life not a spirit of death and we can rejoice in that god resurrects the dead do you trust him to do that are you living in that truth that god can bring new life in a very dark situation god loves the power of new but not only does god resurrect the dead and he rejoices in victory as i was looking at these things i thought you know he doesn't just do away with the bad and the old and the dead God also likes good stuff, too. He rejoices in victory. He rejoices in new. He rejoices in life like parents enjoying watching their kids on Christmas morning. God enjoys watching us enjoy what he's given us. Like a coach enjoys watching her players win a game. So God enjoys seeing us victorious. God longs to fill us with his joy that we might live the abundant life Jesus died to give us. He longs to make us children fashioned in the image of our Father that we might share his unending joy to a world without hope. Consider Psalm 147 verses 10 through 11. His pleasure is not in the strength of the horse, nor his delight in the legs of a man, the Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. That's who God's cheering on. That's who God's rallying behind. And when God sees us living in victory through him, he rejoices. The prophet Zephaniah saw God as a loving father singing gently over his children. In a beautiful passage, Zephaniah 3.17, The Lord your God is with you. He's mighty to save. He'll take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Isn't that a wonderful picture of God? Loving you, 
comforting you, rejoicing with you. And then such rejoicing by God should bring rejoicing in us. Psalm 149 verses 2 and 5 says, Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the people of Zion be glad in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with tambourine and harp. For the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with salvation. Let the saints rejoice in this honor and sing for joy on their beds. And sometimes when I read the Psalms, I think, we're kind of dead in our worship sometimes. I mean, these people are excited about what God has done. They're rejoicing. They're acting about God, how we act when our team scores a touchdown. And what God does is way more amazing and far more important. God rejoices in victory. And so God wants us then to celebrate your victories and our victories. Uh, what have you accomplished this year? What, what has God allowed you to do? Maybe this was the first year you read the Bible all the way through, and God rejoices in that. Maybe you've been obedient in tithing, or maybe you've been a more engaged mother or father, or maybe you've done better as a spouse, or maybe you've had some advances in your career. or Whatever you've accomplished, God rejoices in that. He's excited about what you're excited about. He rejoices and celebrates with you. All of that is new, and God loves the power of new. So now looking ahead to the next year, what new things do you need in your life? Do you need some restoration? Then pause and immerse yourself in God's Word and allow Him to bring that restoration to you. Do you need some renaming? Allow God to give you that new purpose for the year ahead. Do you need resurrection? Allow God to lift you up. Or do you just simply need rejoicing? And celebrate with God. And be glad of what he's done. Whatever you need, allow God to move in and do it. God loves the power of new. Forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Don't you see it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. May we pray together. Our Father, we are grateful for new. And Lord, for those of us who need some new in our life, I pray, Lord, that you would give it as we enter this new year. Lord, do wonderful things in our lives as we submit to you. Lord, for those in this room today who need salvation, I pray today would be a day of salvation. That they'll enter this new year with a new heart. I pray, God, for those of us who are, have been defeated and beaten down and are weary, Lord, that you'd raise us up and lift us up and encourage us. We ask, God, that you would do wonderful things because, God, you know us. We are your children and you know us each by name. Scripture says you know every hair on our head. No one knows us as intimately as you. And so, Lord, we submit ourselves to you and we ask for you to move in our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.